The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today with another trailblazing innovator who's building a HIPAA-compliant, scalable, interoperable infrastructure to power value-based care. We're going to get right to it. Today, we're joined by Mohan Balachandran, co-founder and president of Catalyze. Mohan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Thanks so much for making the time today. Before we get into our discussion, could you take a few seconds and just give the audience a sense of your background? Sure. Hello, everyone. My name is Mohan Balachandran. My background is pretty varied. I started off in the supply chain world, believe it or not. I worked with a lot of the larger supply chain companies such as Walmart and Home Depot and so on and so forth for a long period of time, trying to address issues around data, data movement, integrations, and so on and so forth. I moved into healthcare about 12 years ago, and I worked with a number of larger organizations trying to, again, address those similar issues. How do you get data in and out of health systems? How do you address various data standards? More recently, realized that maybe there should be something that we could do to address those problems in a larger scale, which is why we founded Catalyst. Perfect. And a perfect segue. Could you take a couple minutes and give our audience a 10,000-foot overview of the work you do at Catalyze? Sure. We founded Catalyze about two and a half years ago to address what we thought were two of the biggest issues in healthcare. The first one was about regulatory compliance. Uh, as you know, because of the importance and value of healthcare data, the compliance with HIPAA and also a more prescriptive standard called HITRUST is becoming increasingly important and often mandated. So that was the first thing that we set out to solve. But obviously, the thing that immediately comes to mind is that the only reason you need to secure and ensure that your data is compliant is because you're actually handling PHI or protected health information. Now, where do you get this protected health information from? It invariably resides with health systems, with health plans, and often with patients as well. How do you make this data move seamlessly enough? And how do you make it easy and not too expensive to make that data movement happen? That is what we uh, set out to build. And those are the two solutions that we offer. And that is what we have built the company around. Our platform as a service to ensure compliance, called Stratum, and our integration solution, called Redpoint, which is what we use to enable and power interoperability. Perfect. Thanks so much for that. About a month ago, we got together with 42,000 of our closest friends in Las Vegas for M16. And every HIMS, the conference really centers around three or four buzzwords that are the thing that's going on during that conference. And interoperability was one of those huge buzzwords this year. What's your opinion on why interoperability is so important? Why everybody's so interested right now? Actually, that's a great question. And I have a slightly different take on it. People have been talking about integration and interoperability for a long time. But I think that question is getting more and more interest and momentum for one key underlying reason, which is that healthcare is getting much more specialized. So if you have a patient, for example, with diabetes, 
there is not just one physician that they have to go talk to or one care provider that they have to talk to to receive their care. They have to talk to an endocrinologist. They might have heart problems, which means you need to talk to a heart specialist. They need the general physician as well, the GP. They have to talk to their nurses and so are the health systems. There are lots of people increasingly involved in providing care to a patient. Invariably, these different people operate in different organizations as well. But they're all very, very specialized. So you can almost think of it as in the NASCAR world, if you will, right? You can think of it almost as a pit crew. There is a car, but there is a guy who just focuses on changing the tires. There's another guy who just focuses on filling in gas, right? And so on and so forth. But the only way the car gets out onto the track is if they are all coordinated. That coordination is what is lacking right now in healthcare. And that is what health systems and everybody involved in the care of the patient is increasingly realizing that the only way to facilitate that is to make sure that data can flow between one specialist to the other and they can all operate together to provide the kind of quality of care that a patient deserves. That is why interoperability is becoming front and center for everyone. Add to that the other things that the government has put into place, like the Accountable Care Act, Meaningful Use, and so on and so forth. So you can see why the requirement for interoperability is becoming predominant. That is my hypothesis on why this is increasingly becoming a source of interest. Well, your hypothesis is music to my ears. I refer to the current method that we use in the healthcare system as the throw it over the fence method. (laughs) You go to one doctor and you, you take your pile of information and they do something with you and to you and throw you over the fence to the next person. And we don't incent the doctors to coordinate that care. And if you've got five and six providers, as if someone with diabetes, it's just too hard for the average layman to bring all that together. Exactly. Exactly. Great. What do you think about this, Moen? Are interoperability and innovation related? They have to be. As I mentioned, you know, companies have traditionally operated as silos, right? So whenever you operate as silos, there is only so much that you can do. I often believe that the innovation always happens at the edge, right? Yes. So in this case, the edge is between two organizations. For that edge to be easily bridged, there needs to be innovation. People haven't traditionally needed to think outside the organization, outside the box, because they just own their box and they're comfortable with it and they get paid always. But what if they only get paid if the information is flowing through smoothly? That requires innovation. That requires thinking outside the box. So innovation is required. And innovation and interoperability are therefore linked together. The second thing which also which we have seen is that companies have spent, health systems have spent millions of dollars implementing EHRs, hundreds of millions in some cases. But an EHR can't do everything for a health system. The EHR can only focus on things as long as you are within the four walls of an organization. What happens if a patient gets discharged? Who takes care of the patient at home? So things like post-discharge care are becoming important. If that is the case, then there are going to be vendors like some of our customers like HealthLoop, Zipnosis, who do bundled care, who do telemedicine and things like that, who realize that the way for them to connect to a health system needs to, uh, a, a, those kinds of solutions are required to be, to sort of fill the gaps that the EHR has. And the second thing is that for those solutions to be effective, they need to be able to exchange data with the health system as well. So innovation requires not only partnerships with outside the organization, but also partnerships with vendors who provide innovative solutions. And the key to making that happen is to be able to facilitate the exchange of data in a seamless fashion. 
physicians already have like five different systems to log into. Right. You don't want to add a sixth. Right. So therefore, the two things are very, very closely related. Absolutely. How far away do you think we are from true interoperability? <laughs> I think we are still a ways away from enabling that. There have been steps taken. And because of, like you said, the interest at HIMSS, the interest by vendors, the government also beginning to step in, innovations like FIRE, the fast healthcare interoperability resource standard that is coming out, people are realizing that the current status quo is not good enough. Something has to be done. So movements like FIRE are really getting a lot of interest and a lot of buy-in from healthcare vendors, health systems, and so on and so forth. But from a true interoperability sense, I still think we are five plus years away from seeing the beginnings of that. However, it's also interesting to see that organizations which are much more vertically integrated, like the Kaisers, like the Geisingers of the world, like Intermountains, who have much more coherence in terms of their strategy, are already beginning to go way down that path. So with the appropriate sets of incentives, with the appropriate work, I think it could be done faster. But I think for overall probability to happen, we are still a little ways away. What a great answer. I love that. We've interviewed both the Commonwealth Alliance and Sequoia Project on our show. What's your sense of, are those groups helping the effort towards interoperability? Are these good things for the industry or... Do we need just one group that's pushing something like this forward? The more frank answer is that it doesn't hurt. Right. The second thing is that do each of those groups individually help? Of course. I mean, the Commonwealth Alliance with, is with Cerner and its partners. Right. The Sequoia Alliance is with Epic, Athena Health and their partners. So it would be ideal, of course, if there was only one organization which did everything. But as you can imagine, there is some interesting interactions that happen there. They compete with each other, right? Right. Um, so it is unlikely to see all of them come together and jump on and say, do this this way. But my point of view on that is that, well, at least there are only two. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So fine. In worst case, we might have, quote unquote, two standard, which is much better than having 20. Right. And then we integrate the two in the middle and we're all set. And hopefully that's where Catalyze can also play. So that for sure is a great thing, right? Right. Great. But also, the way we also look at it is that while progress on that is happening, as I mentioned, health systems have spent hundreds of millions of dollars implementing EHRs. Asking them to suddenly jump in and implement something else to just to be able to share data is going to be a bit of a challenge. Right? We want to control healthcare costs. Yes. So I think the advantage that what we do at Catalyze is that we often go to customers and say, like, look, you want to enable fire on your EHR? Great, we can do that for you, and we'll just continue to use the standards that your EHR is currently capable of supporting, like HL7, right? Continue to use HL7, but from an external perspective, it'll look and behave exactly like fire. It'll look like an API. So now you're able to do that until the EHR vendors ultimately get to the point of making that a core part of their product itself. So going back to that question which you asked about when will interoperability happen, in some ways, we can think about it that even if the healthcare systems and the EHRs come up with standards and they can roll into their product, the rollout of that product or the upgrade within the health systems is also going to take a little bit of time. So how do we bridge that gap and say that you want to get there? That's great. Let's get you future ready. And whenever the EHR comes out with those kinds of capabilities, great. From your perspective to the external world, nothing has changed. Perfect. I know you work with a lot of HIT vendors. What are these vendors learning as they're 
trying to integrate their technologies with EHRs and they may not be as interoperable as demonstrated or as communicated? We have a large number of customers. We have over 108 customers who use Catalyze. A few lessons that we have learned are, the first thing is that they all know that creating one more silo of data or ask the provider to log into one more application is not good. That reduces their uptake, their usage. Number two is that they don't want double data entry. If they do double data entry, not only does uptake drop, but also there could be errors. And that is the last thing that you want to make happen. Right. The third thing is that, yes, integration is required for your application to also be sticky within a health system. If it is integrated, data is flowing back and forth, then that is a good thing. Finally, the fourth thing is that, yes, you're right. They also realize that integration is not as easy as it sometimes looks. Because one of the key things that needs to happen is that it's not only about knowing what data you want, but how do you get it out? Which systems do you need to integrate to? What is the clinical workflow? How are the customers going to use it? How is the provider going to use it? That business workflow needs to be defined before integrations get done. Once you've defined the business workflow, integrations can happen much faster. The fifth thing is cost. Obviously, cost is a source of concern for everyone. And that is something that Catalyze works to try and see if we can leverage the kind of integration work that has already been done before to sort of reuse that and get you get it done faster, cheaper, better. And yes, finally, number last thing is that health EHR vendors often claim a lot of interoperability, HL7 support, APIs. That is often not the case in reality. There are a few who don't even support HL7. There are some who claim to support HL7 but refuse to give you access, even when the health system asks for it. So there are those kinds of sort of on-the-ground challenges which you often have to deal with that, well, that's just a fact of life in healthcare, right? Right. You know, so many people say, well, why can't we do this in healthcare? We can do it in banking. Well, first of all, the data model in banking is so much easier. Easier. We can tell a patient to walk into a bank and only do five different transactions. Right. We can't tell a patient that shows up with a ultra-rare disease at a hospital to go away and come back when they have something that's more standard. Exactly, right? I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, like I was mentioning, right, when you go back to that specialist model, the pit crew kind of model, it's exactly that. If you show up with heart-related issue, then I'm not going to send you to the oncologist. Or if you have cancer, well, you have to talk to the oncologist. There's no one else that you can talk to. And within that, there is going to be sort of some nuances as well. But it's interesting that you mentioned that, hey, I only do these five things. I think your point was around, you know, the complexity of healthcare, therefore integration is challenging for sure. But it's also interesting as a business idea, if you think about it, just step back and think about it for a second. Right, absolutely. There are things like uh, emergency care centers, which are popping up saying that, look, if you want an x-ray, if you need a bandage, or if you need a quick suture, come here. Otherwise, go somewhere else, right? Or, or go to the ER. Right. So there is that specialist kind of model which is coming up, which is saying that, look, I'll take care of these five things for you really, really quickly. For the rest, go elsewhere. So I think, I think healthcare is learning and evolving. So it'll be interesting to see where that kind of market goes. Very well said. From your perspective, right here in the middle of the interoperability game, who would you say needs to take ownership to ensure that interoperability really happens? Actually, that's a great question. The answer is, being healthcare, everything is nuanced. But I think there is a lot of pressure being put on the EHR vendors to make this happen. And in some cases, rightfully so. But I do believe that the health systems also need to step up 
to demand that kind of data access and to demand interoperability. Ultimately, they are the EHR system customers. If they require the data to be presented and made interoperable, then stuff will happen a lot faster. And that is also beginning to happen right now. But the challenge which remains there is that what are their incentives to make that happen? If there is, from their perspective, if they're also thinking of running as a business, they have to get a return on investment on interoperability, right? How are they going to do that? Are there incentives to make that happen? And that is what is lacking. And that's why you often see, as I was mentioning before, that's why you often see vertically integrated health systems, like I mentioned Kaiser or Geisinger or others making much more rapid progress because they know and can enable pressure the EHR vendors to make stuff happen. So, And perhaps there, the government can step in and offer appropriate incentives. I'll be interested to see how the MIPS and MACRA stuff that the HHS is working on, how that will influence it. But I do believe that more responsibility needs to rest on the health system side. Outstanding. What's next for Catalyze? What's your plans for the rest of the year? What kind of new things are you seeing and bringing to the market? From a Catalyze perspective, I think, like I mentioned, we have two products. One is a platform as a service, which is focused on security and compliance. That is something that we are having a significant amount of interest in, not only from the vendor side, but also from the health system side at larger scale and making that operate across multiple clouds, Amazon, Azure, Google, IBM software, and so on. So that interoperability and making it cloud neutral, if you will, is something that we are working on and hope to release shortly. We've already done that for a few. Now we want to make it universal. The second thing from the interoperability perspective that we're working on is transaction level analytics. So what that means is that we don't want to be another big data warehouse or anything of that sort. What we're interested to see, and you mentioned about finance, companies like Experian and Equifax and so on and so forth are out there which provide you transaction-level analytics, which sort of say that, hey, I'm applying for a credit card. Am I a good candidate or not, right? Should I get a credit card or not? That kind of transactional, actionable insights is what we want to try and provide. And that is something that we're working on based on the data that is flowing through Catalyze. Outstanding. We're running low on time here, but before I let you go, where can people go to learn more about Catalyze? Our website is catalyze.io. Within there, we have a couple of sections, our academy sections, where we talk a lot about healthcare, interoperability, compliance, and our blog as well is something that is really interesting. So catalyze.io slash blog or catalyze.io slash learn. I think those would be the URLs that I would recommend. Great. Thank you so much, Moen. It was a great pleasure to have you today. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you for having me. That wraps this broadcast on behalf of our guest, Mohan Balachandra. I'm Joe LaBelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare.